Welcome to the Herd Quitter Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Lumen. On this show, we talk to farmers and ranchers who aren't afraid to think for themselves and do things a little bit differently. We hope these guests will challenge you to look at your farms and ranches in a new way and result in a more profitable and enjoyable business for you and your family. Welcome back to the Herd Quitter Podcast. Today's guest is Joel Salatin, and uh, he really needs no introduction from me, but I'll give it a shot. Uh, Joel is owner and operator of Polyface Farms and author of, I think I counted online, 18 books listed on one website. You'll have to correct me uh, if that's right or not. But the thing he really is, in addition to those that uh, I've found is an inspiration to countless people across the country, I've heard from so many people, both guests on my podcast and just people I talk to, that the reason they got started in farming is because of a book that you wrote or hearing you talk. And so, Joel, it's really an honor to have you join me here today. Thank you so much and, and welcome to the Herd Quitter Podcast. Thank you. It's a delight to be with you, an honor. And uh and yeah, this is this is truly you're you're truly my tribe. Uh it's yeah. great to, great, great to be with you. Yeah. Was I right? Is it 18 books that you've you've written uh, or <laughs> you got me one one better. Uh, it's actually sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah. Okay. I I was counting on a website that I thought I saw eighteen listed. So maybe I maybe I miscounted. But yeah, that's well, it, still. It, yeah, it, it could be. Yeah, it could be that they had uh, one of the. You know, I have a video curriculum. It could be that they, you know they included something, sure. um, something video, uh, whatever video like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's possible too. So impressive either way. Um, I'm sure most people have heard of you, so I won't, you know, I heard a lot of your story, so we won't maybe dig in entirely into your story, but I'm wondering if you could maybe start by giving us a highlight of what your farm is today, as far as, you know, the context of your location, some of your your enterprises and kind of the, the mix that your farm is today. Yeah. So today, uh, so we are in Virginia, in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, and, um, the land base is roughly 250 acres of pasture and 700 acres of forest lands. We have a lot of woods that we own, and then we and then we lease another, I think, 17 properties that total somewhere around uh, 1,500 acres. So we're actually we're actually managing, you know, uh, 1,600 acres or so of of pasture. But none of those leased uh, places have have forests so those are strictly well or at least we're not using the forest sure. uh, so the, generally generally speaking yeah. um so so uh, that's our land base and um we we raise uh beef pork chicken turkey chicken both both eggs and meat um duck eggs lamb rabbit <laughs> and we have a sawmill and uh, do a lot of uh, do a lot of logging, uh, forestry work, and sell firewood as well. Um, it's you know that that's not a that's not a main component at all. It's basically for us it's a it's a salvage, you know, a salvage for tops that we uh, where we have to take the log and 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 do woods work. Uh, a lot of the woods work we we are doing is um, now uh, over the years we planted a lot of uh, steep hillsides back into forest. That should have not been opened, in my opinion, in the first place. Mm-hmm. But we're now identifying very flat areas and uh, doing some some pasture conversion, forest back to pasture on you know on hilltops and and flat ground sure. uh, that would be that would be better for us as pasture. So that that's been a 
that's been a fun thing to kind of get a recipe uh, uh, for that that works well. Um, so we uh, right now we're um, we're moving about 300, 300 beef a year, about seven hundred hogs, um, twenty to twenty five thousand chickens, uh, fifteen hundred to two thousand turkeys, a um, thousand rabbits. You know, a um, uh, hundred uh, what a hundred hundred thousand dozen eggs maybe wow. we get about we get about 150 dozen eggs a day or so mm-hmm. um and uh or, or 200 in in the, in the spring um we you know there's there's 20 22 of us uh that that earn a living here from the farm and so um we we direct market everything we sell it here we have a farm store we market we have a couple of delivery trucks that go within about four hours. We have about 37 uh, urban drop points that we service on a monthly basis throughout the year. And then we also ship nationally through UPS with dry ice. And, uh, and, and then we service the thing that's really changed in the last three years is the number of restaurants we service. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before, before COVID we were servicing 50 restaurants, and now we're down to about uh, I don't know ten or fifteen restaurants. That has that has changed dramatically because many of them went out of business and they'll never be back. So mm-hmm. so essentially, from a business standpoint, the the um, the shipping, um, the homeowner shipping has has uh, replaced the you know the the restaurant the restaurant thing. That, that was a big that was a big financial hit to us. That was a you know losing for a for a you know, we're, we're not a backyard operation, but still, you know, losing uh $750,000 worth of business in a, you know, in a precipitous collapse like that, you know, in, yeah. in uh, just a few months yeah. was, was pretty, pretty uh, devastating, but fortunately, you know, the shipping and the, and the other local uh, sales, especially the period of time when the, all the supermarket shelves were empty, you know, started mm-hmm. flooding in here and we sold, um, you know, while the restaurants were collapsing, we were suddenly selling, you know, uh, a year's worth of inventory in about, in about two months, yeah. uh, you know, for retail. So, um, so, you know, though, that, that, that came along. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was a wild ride there in early 2020. I, I know it was February and we were at, we, we have a meat marketing business, my wife and I as well. And, uh, we were at, the home and garden show kind of promoting our business. And we had somebody come and talk to us and they're like, have you been seeing sales pick up here the last couple of weeks and months? And I was like, we have, what, what's that about? I don't know what you're, what the, he's like, there's this COVID thing. It's coming and everybody's panicking and buying food. And we're like, ah, wow. One more thing people are freaking out about. We'll see if this turns into anything. And then obviously the rest of 2020 happened yeah. and that was February and right. by April we had sold out oh, of everything yeah. that we had planned for that year. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. It was wild. Exactly. That was, that was, that was crazy. So, um, as, as we look at enterprises, I'll just have to add this um, just so everybody's got a, a true picture. We, we do a tremendous amount of infotainment here. Now hmm. uh, we have about 15,000 visitors a year who come to the farm. We host gatherings, we host events, uh, informational events and uh, wellness retreats and health type retreats. We do a lot of farm tours, and um, and, and so there's a there's a pretty big component. We have a we have a a summer camp for kids, um, 
So we've definitely, you know, entered that space of, of you know, getting people on the farm and trying to monetize, trying mm-hmm. to monetize the farm visit beyond just food uh, yeah. to create additional value. And, and of course, we also run a formal uh, a print, a mentoring program with apprenticeships and uh, and stewards, and that's quite formal as well. So yeah, there's a lot of a uh, lot of pieces in the pie, and it's a you know it's, it's a lot of pieces to move around, but it uh, keeps us on our toes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it's funny. I usually start off my podcast with something like this, just a, a general question, and then see where the conversation goes. And as I was listening to you, I was jotting down notes of like all the different directions we could go. So there's a lot of different directions we can, and we'll see what we end up getting covered. But since we ended there on on kind of monetizing agritourism. Uh, that's one thing I, I was hoping to ask you a little bit more about. And and I'll also mention just for the listeners, you talked about uh, your your apprenticeship program. I won't get too, too much into that because actually back on episode 88, I had Eric Barth on, who I believe is your kind of your yes. manager of employees or apprentices, right? Yeah, he's, kind, he's our apprentice manager. Yes. Yeah. So I'd recommend listeners go check that out if they want to learn a little more in depth on the uh, the apprenticeship program and kind of how you're you're managing that. It sounds like a really neat program. And I had a friend, well, actually, I've met a few people who have been through your program and have some good friends um, who are doing that and have a lot of good stuff to say about it. But um, agritourism is something that we've looked at at our farm. How can we monetize this kind of beautiful landscape that what when we take ground out of corn and soybeans, we're offering something that's very unique in our particular world, and it's probably similar in yours. You're you're offering a beautiful, beautiful uh, scene that is not maybe popular or very common in in your area. And I'm curious how you've actually gone about monetizing it. I was curious if you do a lot of those things for free, or if it, but then you threw out the word monetizing. So it sounds like you are, which is uh, intriguing to me. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I guess I guess our first um, a real foray into this. <clears throat> was um, we kind of started it back, goodness, 30 years ago. We we hosted, we, we dabbled our feet into it by hosting a kind of a, when Alan Nation was, um, you know, at the peak of Stockman Grass Farmer magazine, um, and I was starting to, you know, travel and speak a little bit, I got really tired of doing grazing conferences in hotel rooms. Um, you know, here we are, I mean, all of us, all of us have these, you know, beautiful pastoral landscapes. We could be yeah. out on a hillside. We could be out on a hillside with cows and we're stuck <laughs> in a, you know, in a, in a Marriott or some sort of city. And, um, and so I, I told Alan, I said, Alan, uh, th- this is going back. Goodness. This is going back. Um, yeah, probably 30, uh, close to 30 years. I said, um, Alan, we need to, we need to do something out on a farm. Let, let's, 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 um, and so I said, well, we'll, we'll host, uh, I think we called it the grazier's reunion. You know, he mm-hmm. loved the word grazier. You know, he said the cow's the grazier grazer and the person is the grazier, you know? Like, <laughs> and so, so we, we did that. I don't remember what year that was the first one, but it must, it, it was in the, it was in the, uh, the late nineties, I guess. And, uh, and we did it every every three years after that, um, and it finally built up over twenty years to where we had, you know, like seventeen hundred people, and we just we it, it overran the farm. We couldn't we couldn't accommodate it. And, and and when it got that big, it it drove all of our decision making. Uh, as you know, in the herd quitter mentality, we we are we are making decisions 
that are best for the herd, for the ecology, for the grass, all that stuff. And and when you have to accommodate, you know, almost two thousand people, um, you know, you you got to have the cows close. You got to be able to park all those cars, and what and, and and so you don't want people to park in cow poop, but you don't want them to to, to mash over nice grass. Mm-hmm. And and so what happened was we were finding the years that we did it every third year, that one day dominated all of our grazing planning for the whole season and we're saying whoa whoa wait a minute this is crazy you know why should one day drive all of our you know our our pasture rotation our grazing management you know uh for the season and we and we we just we just could hardly accommodate them all so you know we quit that and um and and around that time we began uh again uh, uh by that time, Allen Nation had abandoned the great big national conference and had gone to these little, these little, uh, more intimate work schools. Mm-hmm. And he had a pork school and a beef school. Jim Garrish was teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and I know your your listeners know the kind of names I'm throwing out there. Yes. You know, Greg, Greg Judy, yep. you know, these guys. Um, uh, and, and of course, you know, Allen was working with, uh, he was doing little uh, stockmanship schools with Bud Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I saw those things. I said, "Oh, that's pretty neat." You know, uh, why don't we offer a uh, a two day school uh, limited to just you know very very small and and make it a little more elite? Um, and so we did, and we call it the Polyface Intensive Discovery Seminar. And we've been doing those now for about twenty years, and those have been uh, fabulous. And and we we have continued those. You know, it's it's thirty to forty people. Uh, you know, you can handle that a lot easier. You don't have to worry for about sure. car parking. And yeah. it, it, it it doesn't dominate the, the farmscape, you know, for that for that period. Mm-hmm. And so so we, we've continued to do that. Well, then about I don't know what, 15 years ago, as things uh, went on, um uh, 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 Teresa and I felt pressed by 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 visitors and I, and I don't want to say this like i don't want anybody to think we don't like visitors we love visitors we have you know we have an open door 24 7 365 open door policy uh for anybody to come but you know i'm a, i'm an extrovert so i want to i want to say hi to everybody mm-hmm. Teresa's an introvert and 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 doesn't want to be accosted when she's out picking green beans or weeding the flower bed mm-hmm. uh, and we realized you know we had a week there where it just i, I couldn't get anything done because we had all these people she didn't feel comfortable going out of the house because she was always encountering people how do we how do we deal with this and so we started the lunatic tour uh that was about i don't know what 15 years ago we started the lunatic tour for free to try to funnel people into if, if you want me um you know, here's the day. And, and, and so it was on a schedule and that mm-hmm. way she, she, she knew, okay, we're going to have a bunch of people here. So I'm gonna work in the house today. Yeah. And, and I knew, I knew when I, when somebody just drove in, I didn't have to go talk to them because if they really wanted me, they'd come on a lunatic tour day, you know, that, 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 that's my day dedicated to them. Sure. And so, so I was freed up from having to feel like, you know, I needed to go over and say hi and, and, and be friendly. Yeah. Or, or, you know, take, take time to, you know, to, to entertain, to have a conversation with them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so we started that for free and it worked very well, except, except, I mean, it worked for, for both of us very well emotionally. The problem was that as the season wore on people who had reserved 
seats. We can only take a hundred adults and the kids that went with them. Took mm-hmm. them on a four, four, four hay wagons, two tractors, you know, two hour farm tour. Um, people started not showing up uh, toward the end of the season. And we had turned away, you know, tons of people yeah. uh, who couldn't get in. And uh, here we, you know, we were not, we, we were running at half, you know, half strength mm-hmm. as a, you know, we, people got to put skin in the game. The, yeah. the, it's too easy not to go. So we started charging, I think 10 bucks, 10 bucks a, a seat for the adults. And, um, and that stopped the no shows to the next year. And that has gradually, we still do, I don't know, eight, nine of these a year. Uh, they're, they're extremely effective. Now I think we're up to 25 bucks a, a seat now. And, um, and, and, and they, they're virtually, they're, they're always, they're always full and, uh, people show up cause they've got a little bit of skin in the game and, uh, the kid, kids are free and, uh, they've just been really, really wonderful. We now offer a, you know, a hot dog, our own hot dogs, you know, for lunch and things. And, you know, so you, you concessionize a little bit along there too. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, you know, people shop in the, people shop in the store and, um, and, and, you know, it's, it's a broad eclectic group. You have chefs, you have farmers, you have, you know, city people, you have environmentalists, you know, different kinds of people, they interact, they meet each other, you know, and things, things develop. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of this has been kind of just an organic, uh, um, uh, you know, how do we, how do we serve people, but how do we do it within, you know, within the constraints of what we can do uh, with our, with our human, with our people resources here. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so the, those have been really good. Well then, we'll then uh, bring it fast forward to the fall of 2020. We all know, remember back what that was like, everything was locked down and nobody mm-hmm. could go anywhere. And the Weston A. Price Foundation um, had, they'd scheduled their annual, you know, annual big national uh, shindig in Atlanta that year. They'd found a, a, um, a conference center that would let them come uh, with, you know, with, without masks and other things. And, um, and about three weeks before the big conference, the conference center said, uh, we need to cancel you because we just got a department of defense contract that we can fill out the whole conference center for six months and we we've got to take it so they paid they paid the cancellation penalty and um and and meanwhile weston a price you know their 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 head their office is up in washington dc they're all sitting moping around oh no you know we you know three weeks out what are we going to do somebody said well hey you know maybe joel let us come down and do something at polyface just just we could do something you know just something So they called and I said, sure, sure. Glad to do it here. So we, we put some bales of hay in one of our big uh, hoop houses where we keep chickens in the winter and made a little stage in there and ran extension cord out for a PA system <laughs> and did a one day uh, Weston A. Price um, shindig here. And it was, it was, um, it was off the charts. I, I mean, you know, nobody had to walk through sheep dip. Uh, we didn't mask. Nobody asked if they had a jab. People were <laughs> hugging, smi- smiling, and, and people went, people went out of here levitating. Yeah. We had, that that was early November. Early November it was getting chilly, and 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 but but it struck me, you know, by this time, November of 2020, you know, we'd had we'd had two weeks in March, and oh, we need to do another two weeks. Now we need to do another two weeks. By by November 1st of, of 2020. I think all of us were wondering how long is this going to go on? Yeah. You know, what's this going to be? And it struck me, well, maybe there are other organizations besides Weston A. Price. Maybe there are other organizations that would like to just, you know, uh, uh, get together and, and, and do something. 
And so I put some feelers out and sure enough, there were other outfits that, yeah, we'd like to to get, but we don't want to go to a conference center. We don't want to go to the city. We want to get out in the country, you know, where we get Mm -hmm. fresh air, sunshine, blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, so the in 2021, we did six of them, six of these gatherings, events for organizations. And um, it went very well, except that the hoop house got really hot in <laughs> June, July, and August. We, we, we could not, I mean, we rolled up the sides, we put fans in, we had, uh, you know, uh, shade covering, but we just couldn't get it. I mean, we were fine. I'm used to sweating. I don't have any problem sweating, but if you're used to a city and a, yeah. you know, HVAC system, uh, it was just, it was just too much. And yeah. so in, in the, in the, uh, winter of 2021, 2022, uh, we said, yeah, we want to keep doing this, but we got to have a, we've got to have a different kind of structure. And so that winter we built the lunatic learning center, which seats, uh, four, which seats 400 or, or better, wow. uh, a three, a three tier, like a big, uh, you know, amphitheater covered no, no walls and no sides. So it's just a big, a big, uh, shed yeah. with, uh, you know, with three, three tiers, lots of good air circulation, and uh, in 2022, we hosted about six. This last year, we've hosted about six uh, of these gatherings, and they're they're just fantastic. Um, obviously, they you know they bring customers, they bring activity. Um, the the you know the local organizations, the hotels uh, love us. The you know the restaurants love us. Um, you know, and and it, it's a great um, you know it's a great thing to to bring in these folks. So. Um, so all that to say that that whole uh, kind of component of of um, information, uh, entertainment, service, uh, uh, awareness, connectiveness, all that um, has been really good. And of course, the gatherings, you know, we we feed them. And the 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 one thing when we started this that we had no idea of was we didn't realize how much if you have an organization you want to get together and you want to eat really good food um it's really hard F- food becomes a tail that wags the dog for people that care about food when they host a conference mm-hmm. uh we, we want we want raw milk oh no we can't bring raw milk into the kitchen you know you got all this 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 stuff yeah. going on but here here food becomes a non-issue We'll, we'll, you know, it's our food. We'll cook it. We'll feed you. And yeah. so here, here we are doing whatever, you know, uh, um, you know, 10 to 15,000 covers a year. We don't even have a restaurant, uh, but, it, but, it, but it's been a way for us to value add, value add our chicken, value yeah. add our, you know, uh, and value add our facilities and, and structures so that we can, uh, you know, uh, uh, monetize that. So uh, yeah. sorry for the long answer, long answer but, no. but. <laughs> I, I think you can see the, the the threads and the development that yeah. gradually, uh, you know, gradually came. And of course, our 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 goal now with the with the gatherings, uh, that that enterprise, our goal now is that eventually we would actually have we we'd have more interest than we can accommodate, and we would be able to start, you know, picking and choosing, but you know, a, a cl- clients that are a you know that are a better fit than than others. Sure. Yeah. Well, that that's awesome. I certainly don't turn away long in-depth answers. That's what that's what a podcast, long-form podcast is a, is all about. So, that's really cool. I I like to like it, you mentioned earlier how the 
you know, people would just be there all the time. And I think that's obviously a little extra relevant for you and the brand you've built. You're a level that a lot of us are not at, but even for those of us small guys, I've had people talk about, you know, if you have people come in to pick up a pound or a couple pounds of meat and you end up talking to them for an hour, that becomes a pretty expensive yeah. uh, pound of meat, even, you know, if you sell it for a good price. And so somehow funneling people into specific days, customer days, that's what we used to just kind of sell off the farm. Whenever people would come, they'd call us, try to schedule. Now we have our three days a month or four days a month. We have a pickup days and that's when it is. And that can kind of help individuals schedule their life a little better as well. But yeah, I, th- I think that's, uh, that's really astute. Um, I know exactly what you're saying. And, uh, you know, we sell, we sell uh, numerous places. And a couple of years ago, we did an audit of what, what is the marketing cost of a, do- uh, when, when we sell something for a dollar, what is the marketing cost of that item, depending on whether we ship it UPS, whether we uh, uh, deliver it to our, our urban drop point or sell it here at the farm. What, what's that, what, what, what's the cost of that, of that, of getting that retail dollar. And it was very interesting. All of our threads were the same except our on-farm store. And it was double, it was double cost. And, and, and we, and we realized if you're going to have somebody at the cash register, one of the biggest uh, slippages, one of the biggest slippages in retail is people at the cash register that aren't busy. And, and so we did we did a couple things to deal with that. Uh, one was that we put in a children's playground. We put in a children's playground. Now, you know, it, it's not like a big city park, but it's, you know, it's got stuff you can climb on, got a couple teeter-totters, uh, a, a tire swing. Um it's got a got a great big pebble, a great big pebble, a covered pebble box with um with you know toys in there, uh, some pretty cool toys. I mean stuff that you know five five year olds can sit on a seat, you know, and run yep. a, a track, track hoe and move stuff around, and 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 um, that whole that whole element. And besides, you know, I mean they they can go obviously pick up a chick and look at the rabbits and and mm-hmm. different things. But 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 the main thing was to try to create. Uh, and, oh, we uh, we added picnic tables to all that so that you know families could come, kids could play. You could have a picnic, and and so we revamped. We we did some some you know some hub uh, redesign of of the landscaping to be more uh, hospitable to folks. Because what we want is we want in two weeks after mom and dad were here, we want that little three year old or four year old to pull on mommy's you know, uh, skirt and say, mommy, I want to go back to that farm where we were. Guess yeah. what? Mom's going to come back to the farm. And when she comes back, she's going to buy chicken. She's going to buy yeah. a T-bone. You know. <laughs> and, and, and so, so that was all part of a, you know, of an effort. Um, the other thing that we did, we, we started a, a very definite search in the area for other food crafters. Mm-hmm. So that, that moved our store um, from an exclusive us to a more collaborative thing. So we now work with about 12 artisans. So we've ever, we have, ever, we, we, there's, a, there's a, a pasture, a grass-based dairy farmer, A2A2 milk. Uh, he makes fabulous cheese. So we've got his cheese, milk, chocolate milk. Oh, I mean, it, it's to die for. <laughs> uh, we have a, we have a local uh, kombucha, kombucha crafter. Uh, so we have on tap kombucha. 
they tell us that we're their number one outlet. And I think the reason is because everybody who walks through our door knows who knows what kombucha is. Not one in a hundred people that go into Walmart even know what kombucha is. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then we have another outfit that does ferment. So we have everything from kimchi to sauerkraut to, you know, all sorts of things. A couple of, uh, of, of, um, uh, independent chef-minded people. They're they're taking our chicken necks and backs. They make broth. They make uh, they make a, a beef stew. Um, uh, different things. We're working with a a local uh, sourdough um, artisan that that, that makes uh, oh my you know frozen sourdough cinnamon rolls. You know just heat and eat. Um, a, a pasta maker. A lo- she uses our eggs to make her pasta. So we've got pasta. Um, my, my point is, my point is that by working with other, we've got honey, we've got maple syrup, we've got uh, homemade cosmetics from our pork lard, uh, um, you know, goat soap, uh, different things. When, when you start stocking the store with these other items, then it becomes more like a one-stop shop. And again, mm-hmm. that brings people in. So the point is when you have store hours, and you have to stand at the cash register, you want to be busy. And so whether that means, whether that means constricting your store hours to, you know, uh, uh, one, one day a week, one uh, morning, one afternoon a week, whatever, or, or, um, or or whatever. Um, Right now our store hours are are nine to noon weekdays and nine to four on Saturdays Mm -hmm. uh, closed on Sundays. And, and so, yeah, you, you, you can restrict your hours, but here's what I'm going to say about that. You can restrict your hours however you want to, but just make sure they're consistent. Mm-hmm. Don't be open Tuesday one week, Thursday another week, Saturday another week. Be be consistent uh, because uh, think about the number of times you've driven up to a storefront and it says closed on front because they're closed on Monday or closed on Tuesday or whatever. Um and, and, and so, so get in a routine, get in a consistency where, yes, I know that every, every Friday from three to five, I can go to farm XYZ and get stuff. That's easy for people to understand. You, you, you have to be consistent so that they can get in the routine. You're trying to get your customers to get in, to get in your routine. Mm-hmm. And, and so if you shift around on them, you know, uh, uh, they're, they're, they it becomes confusing to them yeah. and it's hard for them to, to get in with the program. What what was the point where you shifted to, or maybe you always have been this way, but doing on farm store open so much, like, I guess right now what we're doing is we do once a week pickups or everything is ordered online and ahead of time. And they just essentially come and pick it up between a two hour period, once a week, kind of a thing. And, you know, it, I'm, I'm, I imagine when you have kind of a 24 seven or not 24 seven, but like a five day a week, seven day a week, whatever storefront, you're going to get more sales from walk-ins and stuff. But I guess, where do you know when, when is the right time to make that jump uh, from something that's it's tight, simple to now you're in the food, you're in like yeah. a, a store business, you know? Yeah. Retail business. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, uh, another, another critical factor. Uh, well, look, you know, when do you do it? Um, I, I think all these things would be, people say, you know, when do I leave my town job? Yeah. I say, I, I say one day before you die, you know, you, 
<laughs> you know, a, a lot of these things, you know, you start, you launch and, and you push, 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 push. And then right before you, uh, you keel over, uh, that's when you know that, okay, now we've got to, you know, deal with, do this. Um, <laughs> and, and so, I mean, that, that, that may not be the right business way to look at it, but, yeah. um, but you know, and I know as a practical matter, as as farmers, that's a lot of the way we look at. It. You know, how how do you know when to hire help making hay? Um, you know, when you when you're arguing with your wife about not ever being home. You know, the, mm, the sure. you have these kind of you know when you hit the wall. Would you say when you hit the wall? Yeah. Um, but I'll I'll say I'll say this about the store. Um, it becomes a lot easier if you if you have other things that a person can do while they're in there. And so, for example, our store, you know, we still struggle with being busy, uh, you know, keeping the cash register busy. And so what we've done is, is whoever is running the store is also in charge of answering the business phone, the business phone line. Sure. That, that frees up, that gives us a little freedom for other people to, um, you know, to be able to do other things. And so you don't have to have a dedicated, you know, uh, phone answerer. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we do our, our dead level best to try to answer the phone. When somebody calls, we do have an answering machine, but, um, but we, you know, we, we value when somebody calls actually hearing a, a friendly voice on the other side and mm. not getting routed with one, two, press three, press five, press six. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, we, we, we want that, that, uh, that personal touch. So, you know, if there are other things that a person can do, so all the people who, uh, who are in our store are, are doing other things from, you know, uh, uh, just logistics and mm-hmm. handling, handling distribution. I mean, there's, there, there's tons of little busy work, including, yeah. including dusting off the jars of jam, you know, keeping things uh, swept up and clean. Yeah. And so, so um, I, I would say, I would say restrict your, restrict your store hours to, uh, to, a you know, when you start, you may, maybe you just want to do it on a, on a Friday afternoon or even an evening or a, or a, a, a Saturday or something and restrict mm-hmm. it. And then, you know, if you start getting a lot of interest in something else, well then, then add another day or yeah. add another, you know, add another uh, two or three hour time period, some other day of the week, but do it the same day every single week. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you're, if you're currently open on, on Friday from, from three to seven, uh, so you can catch people on their way home from work type of thing. Um, and, and you find that that's just, it's just not enough or people are complaining or whatever, then, you know, then, then open up a, you know, a, a, a Tuesday morning or, or something mm-hmm. um, and, and just, and just let it, let it grow, let it go gently. And we, we didn't used to have, you know, Monday through Friday uh, mornings and Saturday all day. We didn't used to right now uh, from Christmas until March 1st, we're only open on Saturdays. We do, we close our weekdays down in the dead of winter, January, February, we're, we don't have our store open except except on Saturdays. So guess what? Saturdays are really busy. Yeah. Uh, that's that's not a real busy time of year for us. You know, it's mm-hmm. snow and it's bad weather and stuff like that. People aren't traveling much. 
But for our locals who depend on us, who really, you know, shop here for food, they know every Saturday, you know, I can come and get it. Mm -hmm. And so Saturday, so by restricting the hours, Saturday is, is our, our really fun, busy days, yeah. even in the dead of winter, because yeah. it, because it's the only day people can come. Joel Salatin is one of the world's best direct marketers. And if you want to get into direct marketing like him, I think you need to check out Barn to Door. Barn to Door is an all-in-one solution for farmers selling direct to consumer. My wife and I began working with them over three years ago now, and it makes it easy for us to manage all of our direct sales, both online and in person. And since we're eliminating the middlemen, uh, we are able to make better margins as well. Barn to Door has helped us to increase our sales for our farm business. And if you're looking to build a successful farm business with best-in-class training and support, I'd encourage you to check out Barn to Door. You can go to www.barntodoor.com forward slash herd quitter. And that's where you can learn more about our success. And if you choose to sign up, you'll get access to free academy session. And that's a $99 value. Again, that is www.barndador.com forward slash herd quitter. And that link will be in the show notes. But now back to my conversation with Joel. Yeah, I'm I'm just kind of thinking as a whole of what we've talked about so far and like how you're in, we've, you're a farmer, you know, you're the, I think the, the lunatic farmer you call yourself. I mean, you're known as a farmer, but we've, spent most of this time talking about education and food sales kind of, and, and neither of those are really farming, but it is kind of, I would say probably the ideal that's about the best food system that we could have is the producers marketing it on themselves, educating the consumers on the land. That's the ideal, but, and this is maybe kind of jumping off the deep end into a whole nother big, deep topic, but how do we how do we change a food system to show to do more of that where more people are are being the educators and and consumers aren't getting their education from the government's food chart or whatever or from the the salespeople of the whatever or the McDonald's billboards and they're not getting their food from Walmart they're getting their education and their food from the producer themselves and they're seeing and feeling and experiencing it in a different way how do we actually make any sort of sh sort of shift that direction yeah, well, well, I think the first uh, thing is to understand the value of the retail dollar. You know, if you look at if you look at the the proportion, the proportion of the retail dollar that the farmer gets is minuscule. Uh, I think across the food sector, it averages now a little less than nine cents on the dollar. In other words, when a person goes to Walmart and spends a dollar, the farmer gets less than nine cents of it. Now that 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 differs. You know, uh, uh, cattle right now still enjoy the highest because cattle is the least vertically integrated. Um, you know, uh, 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 dairy dairy is is below that. Um, pork is below that, and chicken chicken is at the bottom of the bottom of the totem pole there. Yeah. Uh, and, and 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 grains, you know, wheat and and, and the commodity grains, uh, they're even they're even lower. They're more like you know four percent. It's like you know, there, there's more, there's more money in the cardboard box than there is in the, in the wheat that, that goes into Wheaties. Um, uh, the, the, the thing to understand is many farmers feel like they're on a treadmill. They can't produce their way into profitability, um, because they don't have enough land or, or capacity because all commodities thrive on low margins. They're all competitively pushing the price to the floor. Who can be the least cost producer? Because a commodity 
is a homogeneous, undifferentiated product that has basically a world market. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the price for corn in Argentina and Paraguay uh, is the same as the price of corn in, in Iowa. You know, the, the, the global uh, commodity it, it pushes everything to the bottom. And so one of the ways for a smaller outfit to be able to generate enough income to be a full-time farmer, and you know, my my, my whole shtick is if you want to farm, let's figure out how to do it full-time. Let's, let's yeah. quit the town job. I uh, just read a statistic yesterday, 85% of all American farmers uh, have a town job. 85% wow. of all American farmers have a town job. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, well, you know, I, I, I'm glad they're making ends meet, but man, guys uh, you know, and gals, let, let's figure out how to get back to the farm full time. And one mm-hmm. of the ways to do that is by capturing more of that retail dollar wearing those despicable middleman hats you know we've got the we've got the 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 processor the distributor the marketer those notorious middlemen middlemen make all the profit you know all the money well <laughs> then then i want to be one okay yeah, yeah. and, yeah, and so uh, if you can't beat them join them <laughs> yeah and, and it's interesting you know we're uh in fact i'll, I'll do a shameless plug here uh we're doing the stockman grass farmer marketing school we've been doing it once a year and uh, in, in Jackson, Mississippi, I do it with with Charlotte Smith, who, mm. you know, who who is the the marketing guru uh, goddess, and figured out how to sell milk for twenty five dollars a gallon, <laughs> and uh, and so she she and I do this marketing school, and uh, and we're struggling to get to get enough attendance. Um, uh, it, it, farmers love to talk production, and I know farmers love to talk production. But boy, when it comes to marketing, that's a people skill, yeah. and and farmers aren't uh, their their uh, whatever voc their resume their job description. If, if you're going to be a farmer, it doesn't ask you uh, what your people skills are. You know, it asks you, do you know how to you know you know how to run a grease gun. You know, do you yeah. know how to castrate a calf? But it doesn't ask you know how are you with people and. Mm-hmm. And so, so um, at the marketing school, and it's coming up in October. And I hope maybe some of your listeners would like to come to it. It's a it, yeah. it's a two day two day fabulous. I mean, I even do a I even do one one uh, class one of the segments is on how to write how to write social media material, um, j- just basic basic writing so that writing is clear and um, and exciting to read. And uh, it, it's incredibly well received. But I talk about bundling, how to um, how how to uh, put put packages together and bundles together, so that people don't have to make as many decisions. We've we've got this tension right now in marketing between uh, the 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 paralysis, the, the the paradox of choice. There's a book, the paradox of choice. Then it talks about how we have so many choices, people become paralyzed by choice and that's one of the things that's driving subscription boxes oh um i just get on a subscription deal and they send me this and i don't have to think about that because we we have we have so much choice in our in our society today that we're over choice and we're paralyzed by choice and so people are looking for you know that, that's why people sign up for amazon prime to get you know toilet paper delivered every month okay that's something i don't have to think about you know i'm okay yeah, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get my you know my uh, my gallon of milk a week from the herd share. You know, something mm-hmm. I don't have to think about, right? Yeah. And, and so, so there, there's this there's this tension between choice and subscription, um, and, and and we deal with that. 
my here's my point. So 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 the marketing school, shameless plug. You know, come to the Stockman Grass Farmer Marketing School mm -hmm. in Jackson. Uh, it, it's it's the end of uh, it's the end of October. So we got we got one month uh, for you to sign up. Stockman Grass Farmer um, Magazine uh, host, hosts it. Um, but I think I think that and and I'm 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 not whining. I'm just I'm just saying this has been one of the hardest schools. I think it's one of the biggest weak links in in small scale uh, agriculture, and and yet it's like a taboo topic. It's almost like talking about you know inheritance and and, and succession. Uh, it's the elephant in the room, but nobody wants to talk about it because because we all feel inadequate at talking to urban consumers. They're not like us, you know. And and Charlotte, bless her heart, she really does this as well as anybody I've ever heard. I I can tell you. Um, Jared, I can tell you that even today, as supposedly good a marketer I am, the hardest, the hardest thing I have to do is to 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 take on myself the thought process, the persona of one of my own customers. Hmm. You know, I don't live in their world. I don't do the things that they do. I don't buy the things they buy. You know, I, I don't get up in the morning. I don't have a routine to, you know, to shuttle the kids off to school, jump in a car and go to an office and work. You know, I, that's not my routine. And so, so the most difficult thing for me is to, is to empathize, to identify where, where is my customer mentally, emotionally, uh, um, you know, how how do I message her so that she is attracted to what I'm offering? How can I, what is the problem she has that I can solve? Can I solve her problem? And, um, you know, Simon Sinek uh, in, in, in uh, Tell the Why uh, writes about this a lot where he says, he says, all of us know what we do. Some of us know how we do it. But very few of us know how to explain why. Hmm. And but that's what the customer wants. The customer needs their why. They why should I buy from you? And so so uh, I can tell you right now, even here at Polyface Farm, our weak link, our weak link's not production. Our weak link's not money. Our weak link is we need we need people to buy from us. You know, that that's our hurdle. The yeah. the marketing is still our hurdle. And, and so so at the marketing school, we point out, look, everybody's not cut out to be a marketer. Uh, you know, some people, the thought of my look, the thought of uh, of hawking my eggs uh, sends me into a cold sweat. You no know, man, I do not. Okay, yeah. but but you have to understand, like uh, like Zig Ziglar said, you know, when he when he wrote the book uh, "See You at the Top," um, he always said nothing happens until there's a sale. We can talk about production. We can talk about weather. We can talk about soil and fertility and all sorts of things all day long. But until until something sells, nothing happens. And mm -hmm. and, and I think that that's what's um, that's what's really critical is to appreciate um, the 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 need to be able to sell and to be able to wear those middleman hats where the value added comes in. So suddenly, suddenly that, that, uh, whatever that, that, that beef is not worth just, you know, uh, $1,200 selling that beef is, 
worth $3,000 because you have, well, now you don't have to raise as much beef because you're getting income. You're getting income from the middleman, the middleman component Mm -hmm. that, that gets you off the treadmill, which then allows even a small farm to make enough money to be a full-time farmer. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, your, your, your weak link, your bottleneck is the same as ours is the same as most is the marketing and getting in front of the people. It seems like, and I'm curious specifically with you, you, how did you build your brand to where everyone (laughs) and not everybody's going to be able to build a nationwide or worldwide brand that you've built, but how do you build a brand in front of consumers? Like even me with this podcast now, not that I'm anyone to, you know, look up to or anything, but I've, I've started to build this brand of this herd quitter podcast. And I've got, you know, a few thousand people who listen, but that doesn't help me sell meat because all of those are farmers too. How do you start to connect or bridge this gap between, you know, me as a producer trying to get my story, my why in front of the people who buy it? Uh, You know, I can help other people produce like me, but I can't help people buy my product with the brand that I've built. And you've somehow managed to bridge this gap between farmer and consumer to where you're worldwide yeah. known as a by consumers. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, Alan nation used to always say, um, com- communicators, communicators, uh, lead their, uh, their industry. And, uh, so, you know, I'm very thankful that I was blessed with a bit of a gift of gab and, and, um, you know, I, but, but, but I honed it, you know, I did, I did drama and theater throughout high school. I was on the debate team in high school and college, have a room full of debate trophies Hmm. and, um, and, and worked, um, my junior and senior year in high school. I worked at the local newspaper, um, answering the phone, writing, you know, writing everything from obituaries to police reports and, and fire, you know, fire reports, things like that. Um, and, and wouldn't trade that experience for, for anything. And so you, you need to find, here's the point. If you're not it, you need to find a person who is it. And it, it is the kind of person who, who is a storyteller. Now, um, can, can many of us, uh, hone our storytelling skills? Yeah, uh, we can. And, and, you know, there are absolutely, you know, some of us, some of us need to join a a local Toastmasters group or, you know, something that actually hones, um, messaging and speaking skills. You know, the, the number one, the number one fear still of all people worldwide, number one fear is public speaking. And so you you need to develop your passion and your interest deep enough that you just explode with with enthusiastic with enthusiastic explanation hmm. about how you can solve somebody else's problem. And their what's their problem? Their problem is health. Uh, their problem is taste. Um, their problem is. Uh, uh, is food safety, um, nutrition, and that's their problem. And so you need to um, become very educated. The other thing that people are is they're very confused. And how many times do you see people, well, I don't know what the label needs. What does nat- natural or free range or, you know, this or that? Yeah. People are confused. And, and, so, and so we as farm marketers, 
we have to become the the coach. We have to become the guru for our customers. We we have to we have to occupy the position that they completely trust us to uh, to make their food decisions for them. In fact, one of the most uh, one of the one of the funnest um, little messaging things that I did one time was probably one of the best marketing things we ever did was we're going to become your larder coach. Um, you know, we don't use the word larder. Larder was, you know, yesteryear's pantry that before Costco, before all that people had their food in their, you know, in their, in their uh, larder. And um, that's where the food was. And so when we look at food security and food stability and Putin invading Ukraine and avian influenza and, and those kind of things, there are a lot of people that are concerned about food security now, food stability. I mean, mm-hmm. I had a, I had a, I had a couple young, young couple uh, out the farm store a couple of weeks ago. You know, they they come in and, and and they said, "Look, we're in a group of two hundred families, and and we're looking for food insurance." I said, "Food insurance?" They said, "Yeah, I mean, we're concerned that that if another black swan happens, we won't be able to get food. How do we? Can you help us figure out how to have food insurance?" And and uh, I never even heard the phrase, you know, yeah. but, here's, but here's, you know, here's 30 miles away. Here's a group of 200 families meeting together about, about life issues. And mm-hmm. they're talking about food insurance. Mm-hmm. And so, and so um, um, what, what you realize is that, you know, yeah, we, we, we can, we can make fun of, of urban ignorance but that doesn't get us anywhere. What we need to do is leverage that urban ignorance and say, okay, I'll be your coach. You know, I'll, 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 I'll coach you through this, the label issues. You know, you never have to worry about a a confusion from us because, you know, the food's always going to be right and you don't have to worry about a, a label confusion. And so we can bring that level of, um, of trust, of trust, to our folks and so early on so how did i you know bridge this thing so early on first thing i did i came back to the farm september 24 1982 first thing i did of course this is 82 all right this is whatever you know 41 years ago um the or yeah is it that long okay it is that long ago Uh, okay um the first thing i did was i put together a slide program on how we could heal the planet with pasture-based livestock. Mm-hmm. I started going to Kiwanis, Rotary, Ruriton Clubs, AARP, Toastmasters, JCs, Lions, Moose. Uh, you know, th- there are just all these groups that meet. Yeah. Um, now, they, they don't exist much anymore, but at that time, that was where they existed. And and uh, and I would go. They were always looking for interesting programs, and so I would go. And each time it would be a soft sell. It was in, information, but at the end, now if you want to participate in this, you know, here's where you sign up. And yeah. I'd get, you know, I'd get two or three people. And you, but 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 if you do that uh, in an area, you know, for a couple of years, and you do, you know, uh, thirty or forty of these a year, you you you, you, you gradually build a customer base. Yeah, and. So, so, so our our whole shtick from day one was was key to offering 
um, interesting information that people didn't know on the mainstream media news mm -hmm. that that would that would affect their lives and help them to live better, better for themselves, better for the ecology, better for the community. And, and, and that, that was the goal. And it just gradually, you know, it gradually built up. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. There is a phenomenal tip. I like that. I, even while you were saying, it, I was thinking in my head is like, how can I get in front of these people? Like I'm great at getting in front of farm audiences. That's what I know. That's what I do. But Kiwanis, Lions Club, different groups and organizations in the cities is where we need to get in front of in front of those people and share the story of why. I, I like that. I'm, I'm thinking thinking as we're talking and stuff about that because it's funny. We've tried different advertising tactics, things like postcards in the mail and you know social media advertisements, and all all of them have their promises of you know you'll see this kind of response and nothing has panned out like you know we'd hope. And the best thing that we've actually done, we, we've even gone to like food shows and stuff and tried to have a booth and that hasn't resulted in big sales either. The things that we seem to be able to do the most is actually when we, like I mentioned earlier, we went to the home and garden show, nothing to do with food. But, you know, when you go to a food show, you're surrounded by food products, you, you blend in. But when we go to a home and garden show and there's grass-fed cattle company, that's our, our meat brand and stuff, you know, people, everybody eats you know, whether they're shopping for home and garden stuff or not, everybody eats and we stand out in a place like that and people come up and ask us questions and we get to share our story. Like you're saying, we get to share our why a little more and that's where our success has been. So it's, that's the question we've been trying to figure out is how can we get in front of more people to share our why? And I like those, those, those thoughts and we'll have to think more on how we can just get in front of those people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm excited. I'm excited about one. I'll, I'll just share this with you. Uh, because it's, it's, it's brand, we haven't even done it yet, but, uh, but it's going to happen in, in about two weeks. Um, we're, there's, a, there's the local, um, community services board that uh, I'm sorry, the, the, the mental health association, uh, it's a nonprofit group that, you know, that, that funnels money in, into mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we are collaborating with them on a fundraiser, uh, here in two weeks where it's, 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 it's a meat raffle. And, um, and so it's an evening of fun and, um, and, and it, and people come. So, you know, the ta tables of 10 and people come and buy um, raffle tickets for different packages of meat. And, and um, the, the, the chairman of the, of the organization I uh, went to New York to visit a friend and went to one up there. He said, there are whole, I, I, listen, this is new, um, Jared. There, there's always a room for a new idea. Yeah. I never even heard of this. He said in New York state, there are farms that their entire marketing is doing these meat raffles with local um, nonprofits. Hmm. And and so, you, you, you know, it's an evening. Um, people come. And, uh, and, and, you know, the, the farmers there and, um, it's, it's, a you know, it, it's infotainment. It's just, and, and you're, you run about whatever, uh, 12 games, 12 games over a, you know, hour and a half period. And, uh, people are there with their friends, you know, and, and you're, you're, you're buying these, uh, you know, raffle tickets for, you know, a buck or two a piece. And, um, 
and then you know you you do you do the package and then you uh have some you know uh, some hors d'oeuvres or something anyway it, it's an evening of entertainment it's a fundraiser and mm. and uh they end up you know the organization ends up with a bunch of money and the farmer the farmer sells a bunch of stuff and gets all of his stuff in front of all these people that have come for an enjoyable evening of entertainment mm. mm-hmm. and uh and so um i i, 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 I we're just so excited about this as a, as a totally different venue we've never heard of it before but we're going we're going to be the exclusive the exclusive meat package for this raffle wow. so there'll be you know a couple hundred um you know people with money because it's a fundraiser mm-hmm. and uh, and it's a wonderful bridge uh, uh, to, of marketing into the community mm-hmm. into a group of people most of them probably have never even heard of us and for the first time, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna uh, taste our stuff. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna take some, some, uh, you know, toothpick tasting stuff for the tables, you know, for, for some tasting. And we we know we know there are two ways. Uh, it's interesting you mentioned uh, home and garden shows. We know that there are two ways to get customers. Uh, well, there's more than two ways, but but for the the, the two the two most the two most um, e- efficient ways we've found to get customers is number one, if they see it. So that's mm-hmm. why we have such emphasis on getting people out to the farm sure. uh, to, to, to do it, to do a hayride. Yeah. We want you to see it. Uh, and, 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 you know, there's something magical about being out in the field with the cows, with the chickens, the mm-hmm. birds, there's no smell. Uh, often there's a, you know, a deer or a wild Turkey that goes by. Um, and, and it's just, it's just, it's just magic. It's, it's nature. Um, and so that's one. And the second is to taste it. So see it and taste it. And so I can tell you this, we, we, we used to do some, some food shows and things and our experience was similar to yours. Um, and, 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 and now if, if we go to something like this and they won't let us give samples of food, uh, we don't go. Uh-huh. It's a waste of time. Yeah, they they have to taste it, and yeah. and and then you have them, mm-hmm. and so uh, so see it, taste it. Those are the two big big sure. things. Yeah, cool. Um, we kind of started this topic on like this idea of how do we change the food system to do more like what you're doing, where there's this fully integrated on the farm. Um, not a corporation owning tons of farms in the whole process, but one farm owning their whole process. I'm curious for the farmer who wants to just be a producer, you know, who doesn't want to be a marketer and doesn't want to do all those things. Is is it still possible? I would say that's probably the majority of farmers. Their passion is production. Is it still possible to change the food system to more of, I don't know, more of what you're doing or is it, you know, is it kind of what you're doing or you're a commodity producer and that's, that's, uh, that's the way it's going to be. No, no. I, I think, um, I think there's there's certainly opportunity there, but you have but you have to partner up. You have to yeah. partner up with people, and uh, yeah, if there's if there's been one one uh, whatever thing prediction idea that I that I was most wrong on uh, in my life, it was back you know thirty years ago when I would do media interviews and I'd say, well, what do you see you know twenty thirty years down the road? And I said, oh, we're gonna have we're going to have hundreds of thousands of little poly faces, you know, all over the country serving their community and da 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 da, you know. 
<clears throat> and 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 I couldn't have been more wrong. Uh, um, that was that was the it was crazy. And, and and like you, I'm you know people people skills uh, generally don't walk on the same pair of legs as a farmer. Mm-hmm. And so and and so um, what I've come to now is if if we're going to actually move this thing forward at at at, at a significant amount, it, it's going to be food clusters. So um, I call a food cluster a complementary a complementary eclectic blend of food offerings from a a geographically proximate area mm-hmm. that are that are collaborating on on customers uh processing and distribution and uh and there are numerous of these there's uh, there's one I know of up in uh, Lancaster Pennsylvania it's an Amish outfit but they they work with I don't know. I'm going to say uh, 60, probably 60 farmers in the area, and uh, and so these guys. Uh, so they have a hub uh, where they it's online online sales, and um, I think it's a weekly, almost a weekly drop. But um, they, you know, they have a central um, hub where all the farmers bring their stuff, and then they put together the the boxes. So they're working with a number of farmers. There, there are numerous of these that are that are starting up now, and uh, I, I think they have a lot of promise because because most farmers aren't marketers and don't want yeah. to do marketing. You just yeah. have to understand, as a farmer, though, if you don't do the marketing, you marketing's hard. Marketing's yeah. hard, and marketing and distribution and processing are expensive, and so. Um, so if you want more of that, you need to be able to do it. And sometimes you have a, a relative, uh, you know, even a, a son or daughter, a friend who, you know, Alan Nation used to always say, salespeople can sell, you know, I mean, if you can sell used cars, you can sell a T-bone steak. I mean, just there are, there are people who have a knack for selling, who yeah. have a knack, knack for marketing. And so you you develop so um, a lot of times so so all of our salespeople and I say sales I mean uh, we have you know uh, three or four part time um, ladies that do our our calls actually mm-hmm. do our our sales and and they're they're on commission they're on commission they don't get a salary sure. and and uh, you know you get really creative when you're on a commission because you don't get a guarantee of anything. Mm-hmm. And and so when I say you need a partner, I'm not talking about hiring somebody as an employee. I'm talking about a shared risk taker, an entrepreneurial shared risk taker who will who who has a set of skills that you don't have. The truth is, Jared, that the all of the skills necessary for a successful business very seldom grow on the same pair of legs. I mean, mm-hmm. you you need somebody who's good with with finance. Yeah, you need somebody who's good at storytelling. You need somebody who's good at production. You need somebody who's good at mechanics. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. and, and it's time it's time for us farmers to realize that the old hermit curmudgeon independent farmer gets paid like a hermit curmudgeon independent farmer. 
Yeah. And if we want if we want to get paid like a like an urban counterpart, those urban counterparts, they don't do it on their own either. They're members of teams. Mm-hmm. They're members of teams. Teams make things happen. Individuals don't. Individuals lever leverage their skills through a team. I mean, today, listen. I don't even have a smartphone. I'm a total luddite. I, I, you know, I'm still on on flip phone. I don't understand. I mean, I have a computer, but you know, I don't know half of all this, this um, social media, all that stuff. Yeah. But, but we have people on the team, and a farmer often has friends that love this stuff. Okay, that are mm-hmm. good at it, and so you. Maybe you maybe you start out trading them for some food, you know, for some expertise. Maybe you put them on. Okay, um, every every increased dollar in sales we get, uh, you get you get um, you know you get two cents of it or, or whatever. Okay, mm-hmm. but 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 you you put people on shared risk commission so that they can uh, can influence their own income. And you're not on the hook if they don't perform. Yeah, that that's yeah. that's the key. And mm-hmm. so, um, so yeah, I you know I, I've been at this a long time, and I know that farmers typically they just they just want to grow it and not. Um, but you you know um, if you if you want if you want to get off of that rat race. <laughs> The, the biggest lie in humanity is that I can change my situation without changing my situation. And, uh, and, and, and if, if you're, if, if you want to change your situation, you got to change your situation. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and, and so, um, so if you don't, if you don't like, or you're intimidated or whatever, by uh, the marketing end of it, then, then hook up, hook up with somebody who likes it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and put them on a commission and and uh, run that way. Yeah, yeah. No, I like that. The yeah, if you can't change your situation without changing your situation. I mean, it's pretty easy for us to probably as a lot of commodity farmers usually what at least the stereotype is they spend their time sitting around talking about how the weather, the government, the markets are all hurting them and stuff, and yet they refuse to do anything different. And so. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, if if we want to make a change, we're responsible. And that's one of the things that I, I guess this whole podcast I, I really believe in is that uh, I, I get frustrated when people want to have a conversation about why something else is affecting our success when it's mm-hmm. really ultimately up to us. I mean, we have the choice to make ourselves and our businesses a success. And if we choose not to, then you know we're responsible for that outcome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that includes you know that includes uh, um, uh, attracting to yourself um, complement complementary gifts and talents, mm-hmm. and yes. and and so so often so often we we encounter somebody that's real different than us, and we whoa whoa man, I, you know <laughs> I, I got enough of that person, you know yeah. uh, I, I I don't I don't want to spend any time there when when act when actually it's it's that it's that very um, differentiation that actually makes them an asset to yeah. us. Uh, you know, if, if we just have somebody like us, well, you know, where's the, where's the pr- progress in that? 
you make progress when you know when you team up with somebody that's is different than you are and and we're we're all so different i mean i mean uh you know my wife Teresa is is great at balancing the checkbook i mean she's a meticulous um money washer you know so i mean i don't i don't do any of the money i i just you know now now i love i love figuring margins now she hates that she doesn't like to figure margins mm-hmm. i love margins okay so i take the wonderful you know accounting work that she does and i tease out of it and 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 make margin um you know our, our son daniel who now really runs day-to-day operations on the farm um he really loves the management he loves people management and all that relational uh team building people stuff I, I'm out here a visionary. I, I'm, I get frustrated much easier with people, uh, but but he's he's a great great manager. And so you know those are complimentary things. Uh, I I I come up with an idea, and uh, and then he implements it. You know, um, and and so so even within even within families, you have quite a bit of of um, of personality and and gift and talent differences. Well, mm-hmm. don't don't fight it. Don't fight it. Embrace it, and then and then monetize it. Leverage it mm-hmm. uh, to your to your benefit. Yeah, yeah. You know that's that's huge. I I think it was uh, I don't remember where I heard it. Now somebody talked about you know the worst thing we can do as farmers is to shoot down the idea of a future gen or like our our children's and uh, our children's ideas if they're bringing new ideas that seem uncomfortable to you. And you shoot it down. Not only are you maybe giving up the potential to, uh, to to grow if that was a good idea, you know, to to really find success. But chances are you're probably pushing that kid away too, and and, and they may not ever see the farm in the way that you see it. And then you know that's pretty tough. And I know something you talk a lot about is is secession and making the right. farm business something that is capable of passing between generations and the next generation is you know excited about engaging right. in. Right. And part, part of that is obviously the potential to earn a decent living. Yeah. That's part of it. But the other part is just to be emotionally affirmed to to feel like I'm, I'm wanted. I'm, I'm, uh, my ideas are are merited. You know, uh, when Ben Hartman wrote the book, the lean farm, it's a wonderful book. Uh, and and he talks about the, the 10, you know, whatever the 10, uh, slippages of business. He says the number one, the biggest um, slippage in business is failure to capture all of the ideas that your team has. And and the reason we failed to capture them is because we hear a new idea and our first response is to shoot it down. Well, that won't work. You know, the old the old TV commercials of the old guys around the bank. We're done it like that here before you know dust <laughs> yeah. is off there and and um and and yet in a, innovation uh if there's if there's one thing that's that's secondary to the importance of profitability it's innovation if you don't uh, you know you yeah first you got to be profitable but second you you have to be able to innovate you've got to be able to change because nothing stays nothing stays static and uh not does stay static in nature doesn't stay stat- static in cultural politics, mm-hmm. uh, economy, uh, community changes, uh, demographics change. 
And so, so, you know, like me, you know, I, 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 I built the foundation of our brand with a, you know, with a Kodak carousel slide projector doing, <laughs> you know, doing, uh, you know, Kiwanis club presentations. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that, that was, that was a, that was a key, you know, element of our, you know, of our local, uh, uh, mm -hmm. customer base. Well, those things don't even exist anymore. I don't think you could buy a Kodak carousel if you wanted to. <laughs> so now, you know, now it's PowerPoint mm -hmm. it's, and, and a lot of it is social, social media yeah. or, or other kinds of, of, uh, of entertainment, entertainment venue, entertainment media. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Like like this like this meat raffle I'm talking about okay you know that that would have never been done 50 years ago now I mean to get a bunch of people to come together for an evening of heavy hors d'oeuvres and wine and for a a mental health association fundraiser uh, buying raffle tickets for meat boxes I mean it's 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 crazy you know <laughs> um, it, 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 but but um, you know there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of momentum and energy for mm -hmm a you know for a totally new kind of 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 localized entertainment venue and if if that if that can be as enjoyable and fun as a caribbean cruise and you take your money and you actually do something philanthropic with it in the local community and you didn't have to go through tsa to to get there um you know that becomes a viable a viable model for entertainment that didn't exist maybe even 10 years ago. Yeah. Man, the the changes like how cool would it be if everybody listening to this and if every person, you know, in ag and just in general, if their mindset instead of, you know, that can't that's neat but that can't be done there or I don't want to do that, if their mindset just switched to could I do that or how would I do that? You know, if if everybody's mindset was just a little bit different, not saying they have to, but if they at least gave a little bit of thought as to how can I do that or should I do that, man, what kind of a world would this be or what kind of an industry would this be if everybody just had that slight mindset shift? Yeah, yeah, it would. I'll share another one with you. This is one I heard in the last year or two that's just been, I just think is is profound. Um, and I, and when I, when I get something that profound, I try to repeat it a few times. So I'll remember it. And this one was whatever you least want to do right now is probably what you most need to do. Yeah. <laughs> what, whatever, whatever you're, you know, you're putting off. I really don't want to do that. I really don't want to do that. Whatever that is, is probably the most important thing that you can do right now. And okay. I, that, that has been very challenging to me because all of us have that little, that little put it off list, that little put it off list. And, and uh, man, that has been so uh, challenging and convicting for me. And I found it actually very, very helpful. Just mm. go ahead and, and tackle that. You, you make that list of things I don't want to do tackle the first one, the big number one. And, and boy, the, the leverage, the leverage that comes from tackling that rather than just the things you want to do um, is, is, is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think those are some good thoughts to kind of wrap up the, 
the conversation today. I have this list of things based on that start that I wanted to get to, and we didn't even get to a fraction of the actual production side and stuff. <laughs> this is that's a whole nother conversation for another day. So we'll we'll not try and uh, end up not doing it justice by diving into it here in ten or fifteen minutes. So I, I I'm curious. Uh, two questions I like to ask all of my uh, my guests. Uh, the the first one uh, for you is just resource recommendations, and that can be books, conferences, conventions. You, you've recommended a few of them throughout here already, but I'm curious if there are a couple that have been really in, important and essential in your your growth or anything that you would recommend people check out. Well, number one for me certainly has been Stockman Grass Farmer Magazine. Of course, you know, now I'm I'm, I'm the editor, but, yeah. but long, long ago, I can tell you I've, I've been I've been with uh, with Stockman. I've been a faithful subscriber uh, long, long before I was doing any, you know, uh, getting any compensation from them, and yeah. uh, and and it is it is the world's leading publication in this whole uh, grass farming uh, element, and uh, and um, so yeah, Stockman Farmer I'll, Magazine is, is number one. And I'll just mention I've got this list. I keep track of what people recommend, and I kind of keep track of how many each has been recommended. And I just checked, and that is the second most recommended resource uh, of the hundred and whatever thirty-eight guests I think I've had so far is the Stockman Grass Farmer, right behind Ranching for Profit. Which, if you listen to many of these ag podcasts, that one rent RFP gets about as many free plugs as anything. But Stockman Grass Farmer is a close second. Yeah, well, well, ranching for profit is also right up there for me as well. Um, it, it's it's yeah, it's tops. Yeah, and and uh, I'll tell you another one. I'm sure some of you, your listeners, know about uh, is is the Farm Show magazine. Hmm. Uh, Farm Show. It's got all these you know creative stuff that people have done in their shops, but but also marketing marketing things. I mean, people that start. Um, you know, put a put a um, a diner on their farm to, uh, uh, you know, uh, all sorts of things, and and so Farm Show Magazine is to me a real idea idea stimulant. That's a first. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Far, if you're not familiar with Farm Show, um, you really need to need to get it. It's it's. Um, you know, it, 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 the, what the, the tagline, I don't have one sitting right here in front of me, but I think the tagline is, um, ideas launched in farm shops or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it just captures all the entrepreneurial, uh, mechanical, um, 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 marketing things, uh, that, that, that people do. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great, it's a, it's a great one. Far, farm shows are tops on my list. Mm -hmm. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Uh, well, the last question then uh, is just how can people find you? And is there anything else that you want to plug? Uh, I give you the opportunity here to, yeah, just kind of plug whatever you like with our listeners and where people can reach out. So I don't have a personal social media presence. It's, everything is through Polyface, Polyface Farm. But uh, our website, uh, polyfacefarms.com, is quite comprehensive. We are we are actually, um, you know, we are, everybody's working on our website right now, right? Yeah. And so are we. And uh, we're hoping to have a kind of a new launch here um, around Christmas or first of the year. Uh, I've got a lot of internal stuff going on with the website. But anyway, it's, it's comprehensive. You can see there my speaking schedule. Uh, of course, our farm shop, if you want to. 
If you want to get a nice t-shirt that says, you know, grass fed on it, uh, you can get it. But uh, anyway, we have everything from swag to speaking to, to um, you know, you obviously you can order order meat on there. I don't think anybody on your listeners probably wants to do that. And, and it has our gatherings uh, on there as well. And, um, you know, we've, we've done uh, twice uh, since one of the gatherings have been Stockman Grass Farmer. I, I wanted to reinstitute the national gathering like Alan had it. We, we had it here and, and had great turnout um, of our, of our key, you know, contributors. And so, uh, so yeah, uh, Polyface Farms is how you get a hold of me. And um, anybody can anybody can email me through that, and I have a you know personal assistant uh, Wendy who, you know, gets all the emails and she she funnels them to the right person. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, it's it's real good. Cool. Well, well, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for first of all for coming on this podcast, but thanks for all that you do. You like I mentioned at the beginning, it's amazing how many times I've heard from people I've interviewed here and just talked to that you know the reason they started doing what they're doing is because of you somehow something you put out there. So thank you for for being that inspiration for so many people, and, and then just thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Jared. It's been a been a real good time. The Herd Quitter Podcast is brought to you by Farrow Cattle Company whose mission is to help ranchers put more fun and profit into their business. You can get more information on Faro Cattle Company at farrowcattle.com. And if you enjoy what you've heard on this podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Herd Quitter Podcast or at herdquitterpodcast.com.